0: Wildfires are scorching the West Coast, leaving behind a path of death and destruction. Forecasters call it a bomb cyclone. Winds of 150 miles per hour. Tens of millions of Americans are dealing with dangerously high temperatures, with many areas hitting triple
1: digits. Scientists say climate change is worsening flooding around the world. This is going to get really ugly really fast here. This
0: is Ben Adler of Yahoo News and the Climate Crisis Podcast. Today, we are joined by Benjamin Strauss, President and CEO of Climate Central, organization that distills climate science for the public. He's talking to my colleague, David Knowles, about sea level rise. David, what was the most interesting thing to you about it?
1: You know, I'd seen a a quote from Ben where he talked about the fact that four feet of sea level rise has already been baked into our future and that was a really striking figure to me given the fact that we've really seen anywhere from eight inches to a foot of sea level rise so far since the 1880s because of the amount of greenhouse gases that have been put into the atmosphere that that's what the resulting sea level rise has been so far. It's easy to, in the sea level rise, when you look at that subject, it's easy to feel like a few millimeters a year is not such a big deal. Well, unfortunately, as Dr. Strauss put it, there's a whole lot of melting that's going to happen in the coming decades. And that is something that we can't avoid now. So what we're really doing is we're projecting out into the future And we're saying, hey, unless we get a hold of temperature rise and we freeze that or we cut emissions, we are going to see a remaking of our coastlines, a remaking of our cities. And it's going to be a problem that's going to affect millions and millions of people around the world. It's going to set off a migration like we've never seen. So these are big issues. And It's a hard one to talk about. I I did a series for Yahoo on sea level rise affecting places like Miami Beach and New York City. And a lot of it is looked at almost like speculation of of what's going to happen. It is unfolding right now before us, but I don't think we can quite get our heads around how big the change is going to be. And Ben and Climate Central have been working on that problem and they've put forth visualizations of what it's going to look like to be in places like, you know, Santa Monica or downtown London or Philadelphia or portions of Texas and what those places are going to look like when this sea level rise really does come to pass. And so that's the subject of our interview is looking at our sea level rise future. Our guest today is Benjamin Strauss, the president and CEO of Climate Central, a nonprofit organization made up of scientists and journalists that analyzes the impacts of climate change. Ben has also published numerous studies on sea level rise due to global rising temperatures and has testified before Congress about what lies ahead for the United States. Ben, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This month, Climate Central got the attention of millions of Americans when it published before and after slides depicting sea level rise at famous landmarks and locations, including Buckingham Palace in London and the Beach and Pier in Santa Monica, California. In those illustrations, which showed you know, those places underwater, essentially, you used three degrees Celsius of warming over pre-industrial levels to get that effect. Why did you pick that figure specifically?
0: That's a great question. That amount of warming represents roughly how much warming we would see this century by 2100 if we continue at business as usual. An independent group has done an analysis called Climate Action Tracker that says if, we follow country, if all countries follow their current policies, that's where we'll end up at the end of the century. It's actually conservative for the long run because nations would still be polluting then and we'd we'd head past there. So three degrees basically means, yeah, that's that's where we're headed to there or worse on our current path.
1: Now there's the, the current path of where we're going, but then there's also the problem of what we've already done, the emissions that we've already added to the atmosphere and the effect that they're gonna have you've calculated that we've already essentially baked in 4 feet of sea level rise given our current emissions. It's just a kind of lay out for our listeners why that is and what 4 feet looks like.
0: Yeah, I think I think it actually might even be a little bit more than that, but it's in that range, you know, 5 feet plus or minus. And that's because we've already warmed the planet by around 2 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.1 Celsius. And think of it this way, right? If I dumped a truckload of ice uh, in the middle of Phoenix, we'd all know it's going to melt, but it takes time to melt. And the same thing is true for the big ice sheets on Greenland and Antarctica and glaciers around the world. We turned up the thermostat, we've already heated the planet by a couple degrees, but they've only begun to respond by melting. And that's why we have all this extra sea level in the pipeline. And it's, it's enough, I'm afraid to say, To it's hard to imagine the long-term future of South Florida, let's say, right, with the sea level that's already in the pipeline. And we're, I'm talking about hundreds of years, not, not tomorrow. Um, it could take hundreds of years to unfold, but we're a little bit past the point of no return for some of our coastal places.
1: When you're talking about a place like South Florida, and my father lives in South Florida, for instance, how long are we, you know, gaming this situation out? How long before, you know, you see these these new maps of Florida where, you know, Miami and most of that area, Naples, they're all underwater. How long are we realistically talking about?
0: I wish I had the answer. You know, let's go back to that ice analogy a truckload of ice in Phoenix, anyone can tell it's going to melt, but it's much harder to say, you know, how many gallons melt each hour and exactly when will it finish melting? How many days? So we have the same challenge in making sea level projections. It's much easier to say how much the sea level will rise for a certain amount of warming than how quickly. And I think for... Some of the more vulnerable there, there are some places in Florida that are going to have a real challenge this century. I mean, it could be terrible this century if we really continue to pollute and, and get unlucky, or most places may be able to hold on for a lot of the century. but
1: given that that variability that you're you're talking about here and and how this plays out, do you think there's a risk that people will get turned off when they don't see the kind of the illustrations that your group has, has put out, that when they don't come to pass immediately or within the next you know, couple decades, is, is there a kind of a messaging backfire that happens where people say, oh, they've been warning about that for so long and it's never happening. So we're not going to take this seriously.
0: I, I think there is some risk for, for some people. At the same time, uh, most of the, you know, Florida is already experiencing problems today. You don't have to go into the future, right? Uh, Miami Beach is spending half a billion dollars to raise roads and put in pumps. Uh, Miami is spending a similar amount of money and it's just the beginning. So they're gonna be struggling even in the next few decades. You have situations where septic uh, systems are being flooded and spreading around. It's a really big deal. Every once in a while, we do a project with this longer-term perspective, like the one we just launched, and it's really targeted to help us all think, as we have these climate negotiations happening in Glasgow and world leaders are trying to decide what's our level of ambition, the idea is to say, look, these are the stakes you know, our collective legacy to our grandchildren and their grandchildren, and really for hundreds and thousands of years is going to be to, you know, drown all these coastal places or to save them. And and how do we want to be remembered in the history books and trying to reach that leadership level of of legacy and long-term picture?
1: Part of the problem here with, with sea level rise and getting people to kind of take it seriously is that, you know, since 1880, the seas have risen by, you know, roughly between eight inches and a foot, depending on where you are. All the recent projections are warning of several feet of sea level rise over the coming decades. Can you talk a little bit about why it is that we're going to see this rate of rise increase so dramatically over the coming decades?
0: Yeah, I'd I'd say that the um, main estimates are right now are between two and three feet by the end of the century. And we've already observed accelerating sea level rise globally and uh, accelerating melt in Greenland and Antarctica. So that the projections show more rise in the 21st century than the 20th, it's very consistent with really what what we're observing at tide gauges around the world and, and from satellites. And then just a little bit of modeling and projecting the future as well.
1: There's kind of a delay that happens with people where they they can't visualize something until they're until they are visualizing it, until they're seeing it with their own eyes. This year, uh, the past couple years, we've seen these extreme weather events play out. And it seemed to direct and focus a lot of people's attention on the fact that, hey, oh, this climate change thing is not some problem of a distant future, but it's playing out right now. And polling bears this out. Are you a little bit? Worried that by the time people come to understand the sea level rise portion of this, that you know what we've already baked in will be even much more extreme than what we're worried about right now. Just because this it takes a little bit longer for that ice to melt in in the center of Phoenix, as you put it. I, I'm very worried about that,
0: I've, and that's precisely why we create these images, right? Is to try and give a more immediacy to it. It's a fine line to walk because we don't want people to feel like this is happening tomorrow. That's not the prediction. But it is important to, I think, get the deepest understanding we can across of of what the stakes are. I don't think there's ever been a time in human history when we've been able to make such a large impact for the future for so long, right? And know it, like we know that what we do in this decade Is going to have effects that last for hundreds and, in fact, thousands of years. It's a huge burden, but it's also a real opportunity to make a difference in terms of how the person on the street responds, though, right? Having it in your face right now is much more influential. And I understand that. I sometimes think that the job of climate communicators, right? It's to put climate change stickers everywhere they belong as much as possible, because stuff is happening all around us, really every day that's being affected by climate change. People need to understand that. And it's a little bit of a race between the perception of the public and how bad things get, because there's so much inertia, so much momentum in the system. And I, I suspect a lot of people also feel like, hey, If stuff gets really bad, well, then we'll really mobilize, right? Then we'll fix it. We'll figure out a way. But unfortunately, when the pollution stops, the problem is not going to stop. It's just going to stop getting a lot worse, but it will last at the level that it is and maybe even increasing a little bit further for hundreds and thousands of years. So it's a really challenging spot for us all to be in.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about what we still don't know about how sea level rise is going to play out? I mean, I know you've you've spoken here today about the exact timeline for ice melting and and that reaching coastlines and but what other big variables are there that we are still trying to game out?
0: So, a big question is what are the one-way gates? There you know, you've got all of this ice on Greenland and Antarctica, right? And that's where the biggest amounts of sea level rise could come from. And a bunch of that ice is in glacier and ice sheet systems that flow out to the ocean. And part of what makes them come out to the ocean Uh, faster as it's getting warmer and there's more melting, but part of it is just flow, right? A glacier is kind of a river of ice that moves as a solid. And a lot of those glaciers that end in the ocean, they're called marine terminating glaciers, are slowed down by what you might think of as ice dams or corks. Mm -hmm. And exactly what, you know, sometimes it's a big ice shelf, that's floating on the ocean and just kind of providing resistance against the flow of the glacier out to the ocean. Sometimes it's literally the kind of connection of the glacier with bedrock below sea level, you know, because there's, let's say, like a little ridge in the bedrock, right? Um, Mm -hmm. A thousand feet below sea level. So if we destroy these ice dams, if you destroy one of these dams, then you've crossed through a one-way gate and that ice is going to flow, the ice and the whole ice sheet system is going to flow out to the ocean. Even if we, you know, engineered a way to cool down the world, to like take the carbon back out of the atmosphere in the future, it's still a one-way gate. So we don't understand yet, you know, have we already crossed through some of those one-way gates or how many are there and how bad are, are they? And when will we cross through? Like there's one in West Antarctica in particular that once we go through it, it's probably about 10 feet of sea level rise in the pipeline. And some scientists think we might have already, you know, that might already be irreversible. And others think, well, we have another century before it's irreversible to, to get our act together. That's, those are some of the questions that keep me up.
1: Those are scary (laughs) answers. I'm almost sorry I asked the question. (laughs) In terms of something you just mentioned in that answer about even if we found a way to decarbonize or take carbon out of the atmosphere and lower temperatures, it strikes me that that option is really the stuff of science fiction right now and that what we're looking at in terms of what we can do about climate change is just to try and stall temperatures from rising too much further. And even if we do do that and we're successful, these you know one-way gates that you're talking about and all these problems and, and the continued melt of, of Greenland and Antarctica are still problems that we're going to be witnessing, albeit on a slower level. So I just want to double check. There's no foreseeable solution to making temperatures colder, in the near future anyways? No, no, there isn't.
0: Uh, my, look, my hope is that we, as a global community, can get to a net of zero climate pollution by the middle of this century, uh, or maybe a little bit past it. And then there is the possibility that we could start to slowly draw down carbon from the atmosphere. Nature does that by itself, but it takes, it's slow. It takes a lot of time. So right now, the technologies for doing this are really expensive and energy intensive. And so I don't think we should feel relaxed that, oh yeah, we'll, we'll figure out how to cool the planet off. I mean, it's, it's such a massive enterprise, but anyway, like no matter what the technology is, like we're talking about, you know, think of all of the plants growing on the surface of the earth. Like we need to effectively like double or triple that to start drawing down carbon fast enough. It's, it's a really big scale. But right. something that you said, I think, is a really important point, which is about speed. I think we can help ourselves a lot by slowing down these changes. I have another analogy, which is a bullet. Like a bullet really isn't dangerous if I throw it at you. It's the speed of the bullet that makes it dangerous. And really it's the speed of climate change that makes it dangerous. And right now we are putting carbon into the atmosphere faster than anything that's happened in the last 50 million plus years that we're aware of. And I think uh, the warming is also proceeding, uh, we think faster than anything in about 50 million years. Like we're talking since the dinosaurs And if we can just slow it down, we'll give ourselves and for that, you know, plants and animal species, more of a chance to adapt to change if we can slow it down.
1: On that score about, you know, uh, about what to do and how to slow it down, the United Nations Climate Conference in Glasgow is right around the corner. How optimistic are you that the signatories will be able to forge a meaningful agreement that can buy us more time? What's your going in.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're over under, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I, you know, I have any more insight into that than any, any person on the street. But, you know, I will say that from the perspective of the United States going in, I know that President Biden and the administration really want, uh, you know, as represented by John Kerry and the talks, really want to be ambitious and mm-hmm. to encourage other nations of the world to be ambitious. And it's going to be really hard to do if in the United States we don't have some form of legislation or policy either in place or, you know, imminent that, that's going to be a big step in our own effort, right? It's it's kind of hard to go to the world and say, hey, you know, everyone cut your emissions a lot if we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think and the united states still has a pretty big leadership role in the world i'm afraid it's diminished over the last 5 plus years but we have some influence and so what we're able to bring to negotiations may affect the overall outcome and that's going to depend on whether there's any announcement you know from from congress hey we're we're moving forward with a bill that's addressing climate in an important way mm-hmm. or
1: not you um Testified in in 2012 before Congress, and you gave out specific warnings about the number of homes that could be at risk from sea level rise um, and how, you know, illustrated how maps were going to need to be redrawn. Do you think that today's lawmakers are any closer to getting the message on climate change? Or are we getting closer to that kind of consensus that would give us an agreement heading into a Glasgow? Or are we still far away from it?
0: I do think that the split between the parties is pretty tragic on this point, at least the public split. I sometimes think, I I, I really look forward to the day when both Republicans and Democrats acknowledge that we have a serious problem and fight bitterly about how to address it, right? But I think of the situation as almost like two fire chiefs looking at a house with smoke just pouring out of the windows and debating about whether there's a fire. Like they shouldn't be debating about whether there's a fire. They might have a disagreement about what to do, uh, how to put it out. That's fine. Although I hope. They resolve that disagreement quickly and then act, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's where we are with the parties. I hear from people that I speak with that behind closed doors, a lot of Republican legislators, you know, in uh, in the Senate and in uh, the House, say, "Oh yeah, climate change is a big problem. I recognize it, but." I feel a little trapped about being, you know, I, I can't, I haven't figured out how to act on that in a way that will protect me politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also, when we look at public opinion, um, Americans more and more recognize that the climate is changing and are concerned about it. There was a huge jump in that recognition over the last six months and strong majorities of Republicans and independents favor clean energy solutions, a wide range of them, and think the climate is changing. The majority isn't quite as big there. If you look at polling kind of inside the Republican Party, younger Republicans really recognize the climate is changing and are concerned about it. So I expect there will be generational change. I mean, there just will be change. It's going to be even more obvious than it was this summer that our climate is changing and it's hurting us as time goes on. The question is how quickly will we get to that change? And mm-hmm. it, it would it would be a shame if it takes a lot longer um, than where we are right now.
1: There are some possibilities that, you know, things like how we live on our coastlines may be forced to change even before legislators act. For instance, insurance companies and banks, you know, banks may stop issuing 30-year mortgages and they already are reconsidering that in places like Miami Beach. Uh, you know, insurers may say, you know, even with a foot of sea level rise, that that brings hurricane danger to a, a fine point that we're not willing to go beyond. We're, we're not going to issue policies for those people. Does your organization reach out to anybody, any industry leaders or figures and, and give them the expertise that, hey, this is this is really serious? Or, or do you think they're already doing that on their own?
0: Well, I I think a lot are increasingly doing this sort of thinking and work on their own because the risk is real and, and it's affecting their bottom lines and their forecasts. We don't get into any kind of advocacy like, you know, there should be this bill or business, you should take this particular action, except to highlight the threats and potential solutions. And in fact, a lot of businesses do come to us and use our materials, use our data and our maps, and we're glad to see that. Um, You know, we see the same thing from from government and many other sectors. If you do the average, right, there's in the first like five or 10 feet of vertical elevation change above the high tide line in the United States, there are about 100,000 homes per inch, right? So they add up in little pockets around, the whole coast. So absolutely, this is already hitting home. There, there are already many communities or blocks where the flooding is so frequent that it, it has totally destroyed the value in, in certain homes and areas, or is strongly affecting you know, business and access to businesses like in downtown Annapolis and, and a bunch of other places. So yeah, nature on kind of human supplied steroids is going to force our hand here.
1: Okay. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's an important conversation to have, and it's important to be realistic about the threats. And uh, I think that the work you're doing is is really helping people to understand what those risks look like.
0: David, thanks so much for having me. I, I really appreciate your attention to this issue.